Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Subscribe on Acast, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Premier League post-match podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, former Newcastle Charlton, Ipswich Palace midfielder Darren Ambrose and TalkSport transfer guru Alex Crook as returning heroes deliver on a promise. He's only gone and done it again. Listen to the noise. It's that man, Cristiano Ronaldo. Left-footed drive. He does have a second one now. What a finish from Romelu Lukaku. Coming up, all nine weekend games reviewed with the deadly precision of Sadio Mane's shooting. Well, give us enough chances and we'll get it right in the end. We will talk the obvious. Plus, Spurs stunted, Norwich neutered and Leicester not loving life. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. Darren Ambrose and Alex Crook are with me. Uh, No Ronaldo, no Romelu Lukaku. But what are your highlights of the weekend? Darren Ambrose, do you want to kick us off? Uh, I was at the Spurs-Crystal Palace game. Of course you were. And the the, the highlight was Wilfred Zaha's performance, was it? in my opinion. He's As a Spurs fan, did it hurt you? It did, actually. Yeah, listen, it was, uh, it was a win-win for me, though. I work at Crystal Palace. I was doing the lounges. I did actually say in the lounge that I'd mentioned that I was a Spurs fan. It, it went better in my head, to be honest. <laughs> It didn't go down too well, so I had to kind of backtrack and say, I'm a big fan of Crystal Palace, but I support Spurs, which which is the truth. So it did hurt, but on the flip side, Crystal Palace were very, very good, and Wilfred Zaha was unplayable. Emerson Royal tried to get too tight to him throughout the whole game, and Wilf loves that. He loves when a, a defender tries to bully her, and he turned him far too many times. Interesting thing, when they got the penalty... Milivojevic was on the pitch, who is their penalty taker. Very good. Hardly ever misses, if ever, I think, for Crystal Palace. But Will picked the ball up and said, I'm taking it. And ended up putting it in and, and getting them off to, to the 1-0. Um, apart from Ronaldo, we know it's the highlight of your life, let alone this weekend. So what are your highlights from what you've seen over the weekend? I enjoyed the Bruno Fernandes goal. Okay. Because obviously a lot of people have cast doubt over how those two will play together. And I enjoyed Norwich losing again because uh, it would have made Brian Gunn miserable. <laughs> You're determined not to uh, make any friends in Norfolk, aren't you? <laughs> I think I've already achieved that. Um, I, I loved Conor Gallagher's performance for Crystal Palace. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Do you know, he's, a, he's an old-school midfielder in that he gets box-to-box, he gets up and down the pitch, he gets into the penalty area, he creates goals and he scores goals. He's got full of energy, he's got a great touch, eye for a pass, brilliant. 
the way he set up Edward's second goal, superb, and obviously forced the opener by getting into the area and creating the penalty. So I was pleased for him because also he's, he's quite a good talker actually as well. I thought he was interview yeah, afterwards was, well. was yeah. pretty uh, mature. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was a, a weekend that was affected by FIFA's reversal in their decision or Brazil's reversal. Everyone seemed to reverse the decision in the end. No five-day rules were uh, in place. The only people that ended up missing out were Aston Villa because they tried to do the right thing by sending people on international duty and they were the only people that ended up losing players. I think it was a weekend that was affected by the international break anyway. I mean, there was a stage on Saturday in the three o'clock kickoffs when I think probably the television companies were struggling to put together any highlights. And actually, I spoke to David Moyes after a pretty uninspiring game between Southampton and West Ham and he said you could tell we had a lot of players who'd been away with their country there were some leggy performances yeah at half time in all the three o'clock games they were all nil nil apart from the game at Old Trafford which uh, relied on a 46 minute goal I think it was anyway so I suppose international duty does affect the players like that does it don't ask Darren Ambrose <laughs> he loves this. He loves this. So yeah, did Darren Bent ever, still counts? Did tell Darren Bent ever tell you how difficult it was to come back from international? <laughs> yeah, he did. Duty. Yeah, so twenty one still counts in my eyes. Listen, uh, yeah, look, Tottenham, Tottenham were affected. You know, it's not an excuse for them, but they were affected. Son is a big miss, and, and he obviously mm. picked up the injury being away. A couple of people isolating. Uh, Romero, of course, not involved. So they 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 were affected big time. Eric Dyer picked up the injury. It didn't help. So. You know, it'll be, uh, it's pleasing to get the Premier League back. Um, Harvey Elliott's, the other big news story is the Harvey Elliott injury. It looked horrific at mm. the time and immediately everybody sort of stopped and thought, oh, this is a bad one. Yeah. Um, have we got any latest news on that? Have they given a prognosis on it? I mean, well, it looks like it's going to be out for a very long time. Yeah, he did uh, post on Instagram on his way to hospital or maybe in his hospital bed saying, you know, thanks for the support. I'll be back as soon as possible. But I think in some ways it's worse because it's happened to a young player yeah. just at the start of his career, breaking into that Liverpool team. It, it was a horrific injury. I don't think it was a, a particularly malicious tackle. I think it was unlucky. I, I certainly don't think Pascal Stroik was setting out to hurt Harvey Elliott. I'm sure he'll be feeling pretty bad about it as well. I do yeah. have a quote from Jurgen Klopp, if you want me to read it. Yes, he go has on. Put, it's a bad injury. Ankle, it was dislocated and has now been put back. He's now in hospital. We'll play without him, but we will wait for him. So whether any more damage has taken place. But it was an awful situation. And like I said, very, very talented young football player that they will miss. Yep. And um, best wishes to him from all of us on the Game Day podcast. Right. Who came home this weekend? Anyone there? I'm coming I'm coming home Tell the world I'm coming Cristiano Ronaldo is back and he starts for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side And there's the breakthrough Right on time And Manchester United take the lead And guess who? Cristiano Ronaldo steps forward The first was a tapping That was trademark CR7 Kaku played in by Kovacic inside the area comes inside right put it under the goal it in. it's a brilliant goal what a fabulous goal by Romelu Lukaku on his return to Stamford Bridge left footed drive he does have the second one now what a finish from Romelu Lukaku welcome home fella today's all about the return of Ron and the return of Ron and both of them have answered the invitations. Let's start with Manchester United 
four, Newcastle United one, Ronaldo at the double, Fernandez and Lingard on the score sheet as well. Happy Man Keogh scored a quite a good goal actually. It was a dream return for Ronaldo really as he, he caps the perfect recoupling with Manchester United, a brace. Um, but forget the goals, just for a second, put them to one side. The overall performance, the overall contribution, the overall aura, the movement, the overarching effect on the entire club. And I suppose from Manchester United's point of view, what they will hope is the overarching effect on everybody at the club and in the dressing room as well. I mean, he was absolutely magnificent. He carried himself brilliantly. He, he, he runs into the box the way he manipulates the ball, his little flicks and touches. It was all there, wasn't it? It was, and we spoke to his teammate Lee Grant on the boot room on Sunday night, and he gave us a bit of an insight into what it was like uh, sharing a dressing room with, for me, the best player in the world, and the speech that he gave at the team hotel on the Friday before the game. He didn't do an initiation song because he'd already done that when he was a young player, but he spoke actually about how nervous he was about his second debut, and he admitted that after the game. That's not something you would associate normally with Ronaldo, but Lee Grant also spoke about the lift that he had given the dressing room. He, he said he had to pinch himself because he found himself staring at Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm sure he wasn't the only one in that Manchester United team. He's lifted the supporters. The atmosphere was fantastic, and he will lift the standards. You know, I think they are genuine title contenders now, thanks to his arrival, thanks to his presence, thanks to his aura, and thanks to his ability to score goals. I think he'll get 25 goals this season, no problem in the Premier League. Well, he's already off the mark. And one of the things I noticed was that even though he is 36 years of age and 218 days, he's still absolutely as fit as a flea. And there was one point when I can't remember which defender it was, but he outpaced them to get to the ball. And I did think, actually, you know, if you are being outpaced by someone who is 36 then you ask yourself a question. Maybe that's unfair because he's superhuman in a way, but I would be expecting, if I was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, to look at my younger players and think, you know now what it takes to be a supreme athlete. Make sure you follow that. Do you think that will happen? Absolutely, I do, yes. And I, I was listening to Good Self Sam and Perry Groves on the Sunday session, and you said there was a real aura about him where he looked younger. He even looked 10 years younger because mm. he was—he seemed so excited to be back and excited to be playing. Like you mentioned, the flicks, the, the step over that you don't often see anymore from him. He kind of stopped doing that. But the little dribbles when he hit the side net and with his left foot, it was fantastic. So I do think that. And like Crookie said, speaking to Granty on the on the boot room, he, he said that on the, the night before the game when they were having food, that... No, they, they normally have a crumble and you do when you go in you know, a crumble or a brownie afterwards and not one player went up for brownie or crumble. All they done was look what Cristiano Ronaldo has on his plate and a few of them were saying, what's he got, what's he got? And they're trying to emulate him. So listen, he's already having that impact. He's had an impact on me, by the way, because I'm going to do the Cristiano <laughs> Ronaldo diet. I've got it in front of me. Have you? What is it? So for breakfast, he has cheese and ham and a low-fat yogurt. For lunch, either a chicken salad or tuna, olives, egg and tomato. Yeah. For a snack, he has fruit and avocado. And for dinner, either swordfish and salad or steak and calamari. I'm going to do that for the next two weeks. Oh, yeah. I bet you don't. I am. I bet you don't. I am. I bet you're straight up at the crumble crumble. <laughs> he's going up to Manchester United in a couple of weeks' time because they've moved a fixture and he's doing one for game day and he he's can't wait for it. But let me tell you this. If there's any of that leftover crumble, he'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> 
you, you're a former Newcastle player as well. I was listening to Alan Shearer talk about them being a hollow shell of a club. Yep. Is that what it feels like? I thought the margin of victory actually probably flattered Manchester United a little bit. Not, a little not bit. Too much, um, a little bit. A little bit. Freddie Woodman was was at fault for a couple of goals, which mm. was unfortunate because he's done well since he's come in. He's, he's, I've seen him. He's put a post out on Instagram basically fronting that, apologising for his role in it. But yes, it, it seems hollow at, at the moment. I think if you look at the, the game itself, you've got two weeks to prepare and you know Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be playing against you and you've, you've got to question the defending, particularly on the first goal. You know, even if it's not Ronaldo, it's Cavani, you have to be first to react and it seemed all the back three or four, however it was in the box, just standing there looking at it. Well, as the Ronaldo ball comes off the of first to react. Woodman, he was the one there. He's already on the move. He's already in the box, but exactly. into the six-yard box and before Steve it's arrived. Bruce, Steve Bruce obviously can't help what goes on on the pitch, but you've got a question, are they doing that off the pitch? Are they doing it in the training ground saying, right, this is who we're playing against. You make sure you're first to react inside the box because they will be. And that's how the first goal uh, happened and flattered a little bit, like we said, the 4-1, but... It, it seems an awful situation for Newcastle at the moment. It's it's from from the top to the bottom. I mean, they're getting out transfer in the transfer when they get out and bid by every every club going. They were lucky to get Joe Willock. I, I think in the end that's because he had such a good time at the club. He's chose Newcastle. I just think it's really frustrating to see from someone who's been at the club when it was at successful times it's nowhere near that at the moment yeah that is a problem and they had a couple of chances Joel Linton didn't make the right moves into the box at the right time Callum Wilson not available again this weekend you know his availability is going to be crucial to them staying up I think it's a big problem because we know about Callum we know he's a very talented centre forward but we know he misses games and misses chunks of the season I really fear for them I think they'll probably go down this season. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, 36, 218 days. Oldest player to score a brace in the Premier League since... Anyone know? Zlatan? Nope. Graham Alexander. Graham Alexander of Burnley in 2010. You've got too much time on your hands. How old was he, do you know? He was 36, 100 days. <laughs> 38 and 182 days. He was a lot older, but I think they were both penalties. So I'm not sure that it counts. Um... Crumble, by the way, custard or ice cream. I custard. like the contrast all day long. Custard. I like the contrast. Now, I'll let you into a little cold. secret with crumble. When we used to go away, me and me and Benty, we used to go and scrape, and we never told anyone. So we weren't really a fan of the apple part of the crumble. Me so neither. We'd just scrape off the crumble, and honestly, it didn't go down too well with everyone. <laughs> Who are these culprits? They all knew it was us, but we never admitted it. Chelsea 3, Aston Villa nil, And far from crumble, actually, Aston Villa were very good in this game. Romelu Lukaku scored his first goals at Stamford Bridge. Uh, but his two goals and the gift that Kovacic got actually made the scoreline look better than it should have done. Yeah, it was harsh on, on Aston Villa. As you say, they, they created plenty of opportunities, particularly in the first half. I thought Edouard Mendy had a brilliant game for Chelsea and it will be a problem for them come January when he goes off to the African Nations Cup and your mate Kepper has to has to come in in goal. Um, He's kept four clean sheets his last five games, actually, Kepper. Poor, poor, poor goals they conceded. Um, but a big call from Thomas Tuchel at half-time. Um, Sal Niguez didn't have the best introduction to life in the Premier League. And, th- and that would have been a, an awkward one for, for Thomas Tuchel because he wouldn't have wanted to batter his confidence. But I think it was a change that had to be made had to, be. to keep Chelsea in the ascendancy. Yeah, I spoke to him about it afterwards, actually. And he said, look, I, it was totally on me. It was my decision. I thought he was further along than he, he was. It's a very difficult situation. He said, but the truth of the matter is, he 
was giving away too many balls in dangerous areas and Aston Villa were getting too much joy as a result of that. And you know, at the end of the day, you, you have to sort of look at, you don't want to dent the guy's confidence, but ultimately you also don't want to lose the game. Yeah, that's what's disappointing for Aston Villa. They they were they did play very well. If you look at the stats, don't always tell you everything. They they there was more possession from Chelsea, but eighteen shots to twelve in Villa's favour, six on target to four, eleven corners to four in I, Villa's favour. I thought favor. they I thought they were really good in the first half. You've I got to be disappointed. Jacob Ramsey though. and the the boy uh, in midfield, D- Douglas Louise and mm. John McGinn, that trio in midfield were absolutely superb. And Ings and Watkins pressing high up from the top, putting Chelsea centre backs under immense pressure they didn't have a moment's peace I thought they were really unlucky Aston Villa and the turning point in the game came with that back pass from Tyrone Mings because yeah. once that second goal goes in it really is all over absolutely you, like I said you've got to be disappointed to get them numbers away from home at Stamford Bridge and not come away with anything you know they, they did do very well and, and Tyrone will be very disappointed with that but he's a leader, he's a captain, he'll come back from that stronger. Uh, he even got megged on, obviously, the last goal as well, which was unfortunate. So it wasn't the greatest day at the office for, for Mings, but he will come back stronger. But on the flip side, Lukaku, once again, was outstanding. Outstanding and hardly touched the ball. He was absolutely brilliant. He's a completely different player now to whatever I've seen him operate, the way I've seen him operate before. He's so confident, the ball comes to him, it's like a magnet, his touch is almost perfect. And the way he dispatched the two chances, it was exquisite to watch. Um, Chelsea did rest Jorginho from the start, although he brought him on at half-time. Mount Athpilicueta, James was suspended, Pulisic injured, Conte injured. In fairness, that's a lot of changes. So that might be the reason why Chelsea were a little bit upset in terms of River in the first 45 minutes. But in the second half, once he changed the personnel and played two split strikers and a number 10, it was a different story. Yeah, and just listing the players there that weren't available, it shows that the strength and depth that uh, Thomas Tuchel has at his disposal. Um, we've spoken a lot on the boot room on Sunday about, about who can win the league. I think it is a four-horse race, but I think Chelsea, at the moment, probably worthy favourites. You, you've mentioned Lukaku, and again, we talked about diet, dietary requirements and, and looking after yourself. You can see that he focuses on that side of his game now. You know, You're saying that he doesn't have any crumble. He's an absolute specimen. I wouldn't have thought he eats crumble too regularly. I love crumble, though. Love I, I'd find it very difficult to be that disciplined food-wise. That's the last thing I've made at home. Was it? Crumble? Apple crumble, yeah. About, about seven years ago. How many apples? Honestly, this were was two it? days ago. Uh, really? three, weren't cooking apples either. Three normal apples. Is that it? A bit of golden caster sugar. Yeah. Made them lovely. Oh, did you bring can you make us one? I'll bring one in, yeah. Do it next Sunday. Do it next Sunday. I will do. Next Sunday, right, okay. Darren Ambrose. Custard, not ice cream. Darren Ambrose and Crumble in the same sentence. Who would have thunk it? (laughs) Um, Lukaku has scored in each of his last six Premier League games against Aston Villa. It's always funny when you get those statistics because ultimately it doesn't really mean anything, but actually it's just one of those things. I think it does though. Bentley would always say to you, there'd always be a team where he thinks, oh, I think it was Bolton for us. He'll go, I'm going to score. I know I'm going to score. Because it's all I always do against Bolton. I mean, they might change their personnel, they might change the tactics and the manager, but for whatever reason, that's what gets into their head. Uh, Chelsea have only conceded one goal in the Premier League this season, though, and I think that is significant. Yes, I agree. Um, And I think when it comes to attack, there's not much between those top four. They've all got world-class players who are capable of scoring goals at will. Defensively, at the moment, Chelsea and Manchester City look ahead of certainly United and, and possibly Liverpool as well. I think for United, the Achilles heel is that defensive midfielder. Chelsea, 
are just going to be mean this season. They're going to be ruthless up top with uh, Lukaku and they're not going to give the opposition too many goals. Though, having said that, Villa did have chances, didn't they? They did have chances and they didn't take them. Zenit St. Petersburg come to Stamford Bridge live on TalkSport on Tuesday night in the Champions League. Uh, what, what do you expect Chelsea to do in the Champions League this year? Uh, very well. Once again, I think they, they there's potential that they could get back-to-back victories um, with the Champions League. I really do believe that. They've got a very, very good squad and that's, the squad depth is going to be massively important uh, this season given the Euros that were, was in the summer. Squad depth is going to come into play. They've got a very good squad. The players you mentioned and listed that wasn't even involved, wasn't playing, you can tell what kind of squad they've got. So if they take it seriously, which they always do, they've got a big, big chance. I spoke to Matteo Kovacic afterwards because uh, he was absolutely brilliant. Mm. And, and you know, for a long time, he didn't really sort of endear himself to the Chelsea support. He was another you gave a lot of stick to, if I remember rightly. Well, and he, we spoke about it and he said, you know, it took time. It really took time for me to settle. And I suppose that's a warning to Saul that actually... It is very different coming from La Liga or anywhere else that you've played to play in the Premier League. Jorginho, you can almost sort of point to him as well. You know, I mentioned it at um, at Stamford Bridge on Saturday on TalkSport. He was this great metronomic passer who came to play in Maurizio Sarri's team, but learned on day one in the Community Shield that you don't get that time and energy to to be able to just pop passes around. You have to do things at a really rapid tempo. And maybe actually playing the Premier League helped him to achieve what he achieved in the summer. Yeah, but I mean, there's, there's been a number of high-profile foreign players who've come to the Premier League and, and struggled. I think probably one Sebastian Veron is a big example of that. What, what about Patrice Evreux, who was dragged off at half-time in his first game for Manchester United? It's yeah, a and, and Vidic wasn't great in his first half-season at United either and then went on to become a cult hero. So it, it can take time and I think what we would say about this to Chelsea fans is have some patience. Saul is clearly a decent player, but just give him the opportunity to bed in before passing too, too much judgment. Now here's Bukayo Saka pushing towards the edge of the area. Pepe on the overlap, goes for goal, hits the post, comes out, hits the other post, it's tucked in by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, right on the line. The full-time whistle goes and Arsenal have their first points and their first goal of the Premier League season. They beat Norwich by a single goal given to them by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, their captain. We did what we had to do, and today we had to win the game. We knew that it wasn't any other option. Um, we knew that we could have difficult moments. Uh, it was mentally and emotionally difficult one to play because uh, it was a lot, uh, a lot to prove today, and uh, we won, and I'm extremely happy with that. Arsenal beat Norwich by goal to nil. Finally, they have three points, but more importantly, they have a goal. And it came from Pierre-Emerick or Bamiyang. Some might say in controversial circumstances and a little bit of Donald Duck on the way through. But they did get over the line. And Ben White and Gabriel at centre-half, new right back, new goalkeeper. It looked a, a little bit of a better balance about them. Yeah, they did. Obviously, it, it, it wasn't hard after the first few games. They, they've been awful. But um, yeah, they've, they've got a better balance. They're getting their players back. And But we, we said this on the boot room on Sunday, that if you don't beat Norwich, who I, I feel will get hardly any points this season, I think they're, they're going to get relegated uh, convincingly. Stop it. Stop baiting um, them. I think if you can't beat them, you are struggling. I was a bit concerned with Mikhail Arteta's quotes at the end of the game and comments. Oh, I'm saying, pleased you brought this up yeah, and it wasn't me. Yeah, go on. saying it's his best two weeks in, in management, yeah. if not his career. I understand why he's saying it, but you've just beaten Norwich, uh, who, who are down the bottom with you. Did you see enough 
from them to to go and say you can beat Burnley. I think if you're Ashley Barnes, Chris Wood, you'll be looking at that thinking, rubbing your hands together, thinking, I'm looking forward to playing against this back line. <laughs> I mean, they had 30 shots on goal, but only seven on target. It's the most shots they've had in a game since 2017. I mean, I, maybe I'm being cynical, but I'm more inclined to think that's probably Norwich's failing than it is Arsenal's great, all of a sudden, turn turnaround. I agree. Um, and I think we'll only truly know if they have turn the corner once they've uh, played at Turf Moor, which is going to be a difficult place to go. Um, we've seen already this season, Brentford showed it on the opening night of the campaign, that this is an Arsenal team that can be bullied. So I agree with uh, with Darren Ambrose that, that, that Wood and Barnes will be relishing the test. I was pleased for Aaron Ramsdale. Of course I, you were, because he's your best mate. Yeah, but I thought the reaction from Arsenal fans when they signed him was, was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, to, to judge him before he'd even pulled on the Arsenal shirt. And I think... As I've said time and again, and actually Mikel Arteta used the same phrase, he has the personality that Arsenal need because it's a dressing room that lacks leaders, lacks characters. Even Aubameyang, I, I don't necessarily see as as captain material. I mean, it was it was easier to score than it was to miss the chance that came his way. But you mentioned 30 shots. They're, they're not prolific. They give up chances at the other end. I wouldn't put any money on them to beat Burnley and I think Mikel Arteta maybe is over-egging it to say what a fantastic couple of weeks it's been it was a game they had to win they did win it only just well, it was a fantastic couple of weeks because what they beat Norwich and it was an international break so they weren't playing well they, they didn't lose the previous games. weekend did they? <laughs> he's try- I know what he's trying to do he's trying to keep the fans on side and he's basically saying that the fans have been fantastic staying behind us and, and singing and, and all they were this, good the Arsenal just- fans because it could have gone it could have turned toxic it, you know they, they took a long time to get the goal but they stuck with the team I think that is encouraging I just I'm, I'm not really buying into it to be honest, I think that he is over-egging the Norwich result and he's trying to keep the fans on side for the for the upcoming results. But it's taken a little bit of pressure off him. It, it would do a, a victory, but you know they've got more to do still. He's over-egging the pudding, is that what you're saying? Correct. So what would his crumble look like? Well, they'd, have, they'd have no crumble on it at the moment. Oh, right, OK. Just be apples. Yeah. Right, OK. Um, just, just to dissect the goal a little bit, the Aubameyang goal, because... It looks for the world that he's going to be flagged offside. Now he's not because he's behind the ball in the third phase of play when he's actually active. And obviously, he was offside for about two minutes beforehand. But when the ball eventually is played to him inadvertently because Pepe doesn't mean to pass to him, he's actually behind the ball. And for that reason, he's onside. Take it back a couple of steps. Was there a handball from Bukayo Saka? Was Grant Hanley right to stop and turn around to the referee and complain? We have to play to the whistle. So Grant Hanley wasn't right to stop and complain. I can't say with any great certainty that, that it was handball. And you've just explained the rules there. By the, by the law book, the goal was right. rightfully was, was given. Mm. It, it wasn't a clear and obvious error by the referee. No, so it wasn't, wasn't going to get overturned. We don't know, do we? We don't know the rules anymore. No one does. The handball rules are changing every well, year. I hope the refs do. They, yeah. they say they do. They claim they do. But listen, it, like you said, the rules that you just read out meant that it should have counted as a goal. And... 30 shots and the one that gets given is the, the dubious one from half a yard. It just sums Arsenal up at the moment. Yeah, Kenny McLean had a, a really good chance, actually. Probably the best clear-cut chance of the first half. And maybe if that gone in, it might have been a very different afternoon for Mikel Arteta and Arsenal. Uh, who have they got in the Champions League? Oh, Jewellery isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. the attack for Crystal Palace. Full back. It's on Snedwell's first touch. His second touch is goalwards. It's in. What a debut. On Edward has scored for Crystal Palace in no time at all. Square to Edward with another chance and another goal for Odson Edward. Two for Edward. Three for Crystal Palace. They are in heaven. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm really pleased for him. But again, I think uh, Christian uh, up front worked uh, really hard for the first 75 minutes. And obviously when Edard came on, there was more space and that allowed him to uh, to score those goals. Crystal Palace beat Spurs by three goals to nil. We've had a little chat about Wilfred Zaha and Conor Gallagher. But I suppose the, the headline act was Odson Edward, who came off the bench and scored after 28 seconds. Uh, two goals very quickly. And the first one was really well taken. More goals in eight minutes than Arsenal have managed in the Premier League all season. Uh, <laughs> You're not going to be able to go to the Emirates either. <laughs> to be fair, that was uh, Adrian Durham's gag about Ronaldo scoring more goals than Arsenal. Um, brilliant introduction for Odson Edouard because I think we were a bit um, dubious as to whether he would be able to make the step up. But he was. I was a little bit dubious, I, I think, wasn't. and I wasn't the only one. And the reason I was a bit dubious was because I know that a lot of Premier League clubs have taken a look at him and decided against signing him. But so that, that set alarm bells ringing. If, yeah, but he turned. Look, he didn't play particularly well in the last half of the season at, at Celtic. But if you speak to anybody about his form prior to last season, everybody says this guy's a player. He will score you goals. Yeah, but you'd get goals in Scotland. But I wouldn't get goals in the Premier League, and he's got two yeah, already. And and he's a brilliant confidence boost. Yeah, any striker will tell you, especially when they come for for decent money. If you score in your first game, you're off and running, and it's perfect because it goes the opposite way. I remember Peter Crouch when he first went to Liverpool. Was it twelve games yeah. without a goal? I think I was there when he scored his first goal against Portsmouth. It was an absolute relief. So so he should kick on now and and go from strength to strength. I just thought from a Palace perspective, it was an excellent team performance. Defended well. Gallagher, you've mentioned at the top of the program was fantastic again I have to say I've been impressed with what Patrick Vieira has done there so far and again I don't think any of us were completely sold on that appointment Tottenham though and we said it last week were probably in a false position because I've I've seen their games this season I didn't think they were playing much better than they did under Jose Mourinho they they just come out on top so I'm I'm not surprised that they got beat. Maybe I'm surprised by how heavy the defeat was. Yeah. But you look at that back four, and I know they had problems with uh, Romero being unavailable. We, we San- said this on Thursday. Sanchez podcast. being unavailable. But look at that centre back pairing of Dyer, who I know went off injured. Tanganga, who got himself sent off. 
That is not a centre-back pairing that is going to strike fear into the opposition. And Harry Kane looked way off it as well. Now, whether that's because he's still getting up to match fitness, obviously played a lot of football for England during the break, or whether, more worryingly for Tottenham, it's because actually his heart isn't in it because he wanted to go. That could be a problem. Crook, who's made a lot of points there, mm. uh, and I was waiting for him to stop for this reason. He did have a go at Scotland right at the beginning of that after spending the whole summer pretending he was half Scottish. With his T-shirt on. He then, with his T-shirt on. And did I have a go at Scotland? Up, yeah, you said I, you could score goals in, in, in Scotland. Yeah, and the S- I had a go at the SPL, not, not the Scotland national team. No, it's the Scottish League. Their best players play in this country, as you well know. Um, for all the praise that Crystal Palace should get, Crook is right. You know, we've said it on Thursday's podcast. Spurs defence, you're never going to trust that group of players. They, I mean, maybe they were well drilled. Maybe they got a little bit fortunate. Maybe their opponents didn't play particularly well in the previous games. But going forward, my God, they had two shots on goal in the entire game. Their worst record since 2005. An XG of 0.09. Look, Tanganga was sent off on the hour mark, so let's not pretend that they were down to 10 men for ages and ages and ages and that's why they didn't have any shots on goal. They were rubbish for an hour before he went. Extremely rubbish, yeah. Like I said, I was there at Sellers Park. They they had no shots in the first half, not on or off target. Had nothing, nothing was going for them. And I, I spoke a little bit in the lounge at half-time and said they haven't even got off the coach yet. Nothing was going through, nothing was happening. Did that go down better than you I mean, interviewing yeah, a little bit, fan? A little bit, yeah, a beep, little bit of a, beep, a cheer. Beep, but, beep. Yeah, I was reversing for sure, but they, they were awful. All game, and look, it's partly to, for how well Crystal Palace played as well. Like you said, the red card was later on in the, in the game. It was, it was still nil-nil, but I still don't think that changed the course of the game. I still think Crystal Palace would have ended up getting the victory. Like you said, Crookie, I, I'm very impressed with what Patrick's done. And I stated before the season started, because I watched a lot in pre-season, that Crystal Palace could genuinely finish in the top 10. And I stand by that. Mm, well, it's a, it's a real possibility. Um, Kane, no touches in the box? The trouble with Harry Kane, when he's not scoring goals and he's not fully fit, he, he can look very laboured. And I think it, he's in that situation at the moment. As I say, the question for him is... Is that because he's not quite up to full speed or is that because he has been affected by that foul transfer to Manchester City? He did just score a fantastic goal for England in Poland from about 25, 30 Keeper yards. Have that. <laughs> That's harsh, that. That's a great strike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh dear. Um, I, I even actually thought on international duty a couple of his passes went astray every now and again. He wasn't up to full speed. So maybe he still needs a, a little bit of uh, tender loving care. But he also needs players around him to give him the ball. I mean, at the end he of the day, Son. you know, the Son, problem with misses Sonny, misses, misses a backup of any kind, really. Yeah. You know, they, they haven't got a good enough support staff. Son and Bergwijn both being out, obviously that's going to be difficult. But you look at the squad, it's very light. It's but, the weakest uh, squad that Tottenham have had in recent yeah. years. The midfield, basically the three of them, Wink, Skip and Hoiberg, was the same player. And Deli Ali couldn't get into the game at all because they just wasn't feeding it forward. And they were pulling out of challenges. The, the supporters who sat right by where I was in the lounge weren't too happy with the, the lack of effort into challenges, which was unlike them, to be honest, in, in the first few games of this season. So he needs to he needs to change this. He needs to get his players back and... It's not going to be uh, easy. It's going to, to Chelsea. No, it isn't. Uh, Leeds against Liverpool was the Sunday game. and That kicked off at 4.30. Uh, obviously, the headlines have been taken by uh, 
the injury to Harvey Elliott, and, and Jurgen Klopp's been speaking about that afterwards, and so has the Leeds chairman too. He's in hospital, so it's not good, obviously. Bad ankle injury for sure. Looked like the, the ankle was dislocated, and the doc could put it back, or the, or the medical department could put it back. So, massive pain, shock for him, for us, and um, yeah, we don't know more, we have to wait. I don't want other players to get a red card, it's not my business. It's a serious injury, definitely. For an 18-year-old boy, I don't know why we discuss a red card, it's not important. Hard for him, and I wish him, I wish the boy a poor recovery, hope we can get back soon. Uh, but this is part of football, to be honest, if you watch uh, the video, you see that uh, Struik uh, lie with the left foot uh, on him and uh, is accidental, so it was not a premeditated injury. Also, the evaluation of the takeoff, I think, was, in my opinion, wrong from the referee. Interesting. We, we have a little debate about it. Why does the Leeds chairman get involved in this? Why does he go on Sky and do a live interview about it? I mean, we, we sort of probably come to the conclusion that the reason he does that interview is because Marcelo Bielsa doesn't really speak English properly or well enough to be able to articulate his thoughts in a palatable way. So Radrazani's done it for him. Yeah, it's still a strange step, isn't it? I can't remember too many times in, in Premier League history that a chairman has, has come out after an incident like that and, and, and spoken to the to the television cameras. Uh, we, we, we touched on it at the top of the show. I didn't think it was a malicious challenge. I think by the laws of the game, it, it was a red card. I know some people have compared it to the, the Son Gomez incident. I actually thought this one maybe was was more of a red card than that one. I know the Son one got overturned. I'm not sure this one will be. But again, like Darren has said about the Tanganga sending off, it didn't alter the change of the game. Liverpool were well on top by that stage. It was a comfortable win. And I do worry for Leeds a little bit. You know, you look at the number of chances that they give away. I think they have more shots on their goal this season than any other team. Bielsa is clearly a wonderful coach. People like Pep Guardiola wax lyrical about him. He's done a fantastic job getting Leeds back in the Premier League after so long away and keeping them there. But I do think at times he needs to be a bit more pragmatic. You can't keep trying to go toe-to-toe with teams who are clearly better than you and expect a different outcome. They, they, they're they're going to get battered a lot. They've already conceded five at Manchester United, six at Old Trafford last season, could have conceded seven or eight today against Liverpool. Haven't won a game yet. They've got a massive match to come against Newcastle on Friday night. I think if they don't win that one, then their fans will start to become concerned. Well, Leeds do give you so many chances. Um, they were lucky really that Sadio Mane missed most of them. Um, <laughs> when does single-mindedness become selfishness if you're a striker? It's one of those games, though, today. I think if it was a very tight nil-nil game, I think there would have been a few passes and, and a few people trying to slot other people in. I think they were so comfortable. It's like back to school football where it was like, I'm going to just get on the score sheet. And I think that's it, kind it, of It what, really was. Yeah. And there's a point where you just think to yourself, you know, some of us have got other players in that front three in our fantasy teams. <laughs> <laughs> that was exactly my thought, by the way. It was. I've never seen a Man United fan cheer a Liverpool goal. Let's let's put it that let's put it that way. But no, look, I I agree with Crookie. Thirty shots on goal Liverpool yeah. had today, and they could have it could have been seven or eight. And there comes a point. We had a caller on on the on the boot room who, who said he'd be he's happy to watch football like this and exciting football. Then he kept mentioning Burnley, which was a bit harsh. Then play like Burnley and sit eleven men behind the ball, but. You, you don't want to play like that and, and lose five and four and three every week. That's that's no going to just get relegated. But OK, you, you've played good football. He needs a plan B. And all the top managers have a plan B. We haven't had to see it yet. Last season, no one really found them out. This season already, they've been found out. Is that it, actually? Because one of the things last season was is this sort of 
they made life uncomfortable for a lot of the top teams. I remember coming away from the game uh, involving Chelsea and I remember Olivier Giroud saying to me afterwards, he says, they just don't leave you alone. It doesn't matter where you go, there's always someone following you. But I think Manchester United worked that out last year and realised that once you sort of wriggle out of that, you can really expose them. There's lots of gaps there. And maybe one or two, they've just done a lot of work on finding out where those gaps are. And now, all of a sudden, those those gaps are being ruthlessly exposed. And they won't be the first team or the last to come into the Premier League and surprise people with their style of play and, and have a really good season and then struggle the next year. We saw it with Sheffield United. No one could handle their overlapping central defenders the first year in the Premier League and then they were being picked off at will. I don't think they'll go down, but I don't think they'll finish in the top half either. No, Leeds have only lost uh, once at home since February before today, but they were well beaten by Liverpool 3-0 on Sunday afternoon and again we'll just extend our best wishes to Harvey Elliott who suffered that rather horrible looking injury uh, let's move on to Leicester City against Manchester City it finished Leicester nil Manchester City won and it was a sort of quite intriguing game this really because well, it's the third straight win for Manchester City um, poor old Soyuncu he can't buy any luck at the moment can he I mean he obviously had a terrible time on international duties had a poor start to the season in the Premier League and it is the deflection off him that creates the opportunity for Bernardo Silva to get all three points for Manchester City. I think he must have walk, walked under a, th- a few ladders over the course of the last <laughs> few months, aren't you? I, I don't think this was necessarily bad defending. I think he has been guilty of that in, in recent matches. I think he was just unlucky. Um, wrong place, wrong time. But you're right, it was an intriguing game. Leicester actually had a couple of chances. Harvey Barnes... Maybe should have come away with a goal. Could have been a, a different game. He hit the crossbar, didn't he? Yeah, and he had a good chance in the first half as yeah. well, which he put straight at the goalkeeper. But it was a better performance from Leicester. In fact, I spoke to a Leicester fan um, on Sunday morning and he said it was probably our best performance of the season, but we lost because they'd been uh, maybe picking up points in games they weren't playing well in. So I don't think they're overly concerned. They've got Johnny Evans fit now. Vestergaard had a good game by all accounts. I think once they get a settled back line, they'll be okay. But I still think they're somewhere adrift of those top four. Yeah, they probably are, and their bad start hasn't helped them. Although it isn't as horrific a start as it could have been if it, if they hadn't picked up those fortunate points. Vardy had a goal ruled out for a very tight offside, didn't he? Yeah, one of those tight ones again. We don't like to see that, but they've they've, they've looked at it and it, it was offside. It was it, real poised though the way he went round the goalkeeper Edison as he came out, went round tight angle, finished it. It was typical Jamie Vardy. He's still got a lot to offer. He has, yeah, and he clearly likes soup because that's one of the quotes come out from Pep Guardiola, which does anyone know what he was going on about Does anyone there? like soup? <laughs> but, I mean, really? I mean, we, we, we eat soup, don't we, to sort of, you know, be good, but we exactly. don't like it. Don't he's going to have it because he's on the Cristiano Ronaldo diet, he's told he, me. Ronaldo won't be having no soup, I tell you that. He'll be having plain chicken and rice. Um, but <laughs> Jamie Vardy, you know what you're going to get from him. He'll, he'll score bag full of goals again it'll cause chaos in defences and they were unfortunate yesterday actually and and you know Man City not playing too well still get the win yes they did 25 shots 8 on target I just wondered whether or not with the firepower assembled elsewhere will the fact that they don't have a striker come back to haunt Manchester City yes I think it will because this is a much stronger league and, and you look United have got Ronaldo now Chelsea have got Lukaku Liverpool have got Salah Manchester City don't have a ruthless finisher of that ilk. And I think it will count against them. They they won't win the league. Because we talked about the fact that defensively, they and Chelsea are probably above most of the others. But actually going forward, I think Liverpool are better than them. I think Manchester United are now better than them. 
Chelsea are better than them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've got so much talent going forward. If you think Silva, Gundogan, Torres, Jesus, Grealish, they're the ones that played. You've got Foden coming back, De Bruyne coming back, uh, Mares. he was on the bench. They've got so much... How do you play all those players? Exactly. You've got so much talent. You've got to keep eight happy. number tens. Brilliant, fantastic. You have to keep them happy. And can you do that? I don't know. We mentioned again on, on, on Sunday that the attitude of Ferran Torres and um, Gabriel Jesus has been first class. When you're linked with so many forwards and you're, there's rumours that you're part of the deal, to keep that attitude and come back and, and score a few, assist a few, they've done really well. But if you look at the first game against Spurs, OK, Spurs were a couple of weeks ahead in terms of fitness. They didn't have that cutting edge. Well, you say that, but Manchester City had already played the Community Shield. Yeah, I just feel Spurs were ahead. A lot of the, 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 the lads at Man City were, were off. There was a few players from the Euros having a, a bit of a rest. So Spurs in my opinion... didn't see were, the calendar season started on well, exactly, but August? Exactly, but look, Spurs were a little bit ahead of them. I'm not saying that's why. I think Spurs more than held their own, of course, against mm. them. But that cutting edge was missing. And when you come to this season where we've discussed that the head-to-heads with that top four probably are going to be massively important... The other three have got them number nines, and they haven't. Well, Chelsea play Tottenham on Sunday. Then they have Manchester City live on TalkSport on the 26th of September, or 25th of September. Absolutely fabulous. What a fantastic game that's going to be at Stamford Bridge. Um, OK, that's Leicester against uh, Manchester City. Bernardo Silva got the only goal of the game after 62 minutes. Uh, let's move on to Brighton against uh, Brentford. Away from home it was, so it was at uh, the Bees Community Stadium. And Leandro Trossard was probably the only bit of real quality in the game. His late goal gives Brighton a third win in four matches. Now, last year, it took Brighton until what date to get three Premier League wins under their belt. South Coast Guru, could you help us out here? February? Ooh, that's, that's late. I'm going to... I'll say December. December the 20th. January the 16th. Oh, wow. Not He's bad. Um, that's quite a long time, isn't it, to, to get yeah. to three wins? And I suppose Graham Potter will be absolutely delighted that they've already got that far. Um, to Brentford's first defeat since promotion, I think Thomas Frank was quite disappointed in the end that they ended up surrendering a point in that match. But actually, for a team that considered a lot of goals last season, they haven't considered very many this. No, it was it was a tight game, although Brentford had chances. Um, Brian Mbumo, I think, uh, as we as we call Is it now. Mbumo or Mbumo? I, I think it's Mbumo. Uh, but he missed two or three great opportunities to put Brentford in front. As you say, terrific finish from Leandro Trossard. Good spirit in that Brighton team to keep going right until the full-time whistle. And you mentioned Brentford's defensive record, and, and, and you're right to applaud that. Brighton defensively, very good last season. They've lost Ben White. I think we see now that actually Lewis Duncan, Adam Webster were the fulcrum of, of that back line, and they've picked up where they left off. Mr Ambrose is talking about Crystal Palace for a top-half finish. Maybe their arch rivals can be talked about in, the, in that hey, breath as well. Hey, who said Brighton to finish in the top ten at the beginning of the season? Hey, hey, hey. It, even a stop clock is right twice a day. Uh, <laughs> you said you can't you can't use that all the time. You've got to come up with something else. <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, Brighton's uh, first win in ten visits to London. I don't know why they don't go to London. They don't enjoy it, but it certainly is. Uh, They're not far from London it? either. I know. Nice little trip up the uh, M23, is it? Yeah, M23, M23, yeah, yeah, into sort of Gatwick area, and then you can negotiate your way from the M25 and there. You can go anywhere you like, maybe into Croydon, um, but oh, no, they probably won't want to do that. Um, <laughs> Southampton nil, West Ham United nil. Um, Antonio got sent off in the game for two yellow cards. I mean, you can't throw someone on the floor and then tackle with two feet. 
you're going to get sent off for that, Darren Ambrose. You are, yeah. And it's unlike Ant- Antonio, in my opinion. He's been very... Um, he's had a good season and he's well-disciplined for, for a long, long time now. But... Yeah, you can't do that. Maybe it was a, an error of frustration on on his behalf, but they're well, going to miss him. That is worth pointing out because he was frustrated in the game, was shackled well in the game, and now he's going to miss the match against Manchester United. And it's a big problem for David Moyes because he was speaking actually only in the uh, pre-match press conference saying that he toyed with the idea of bringing in a, a number nine, but really Antonio is irreplaceable. He praised his fitness regime suggesting that maybe he wouldn't miss as many games through injury this season as he has in the past. So he, he wouldn't have budgeted for such a needless sending off. It was literally the last act of the game. As you say, he was brilliantly shackled by Mohamed Salisu, uh, the Southampton central defender, and Jack Stevens as well. One shot in the game, comfortably saved by McCarthy. So I think it was a, a lunge tackle out of frustration. But who plays up front now? against Manchester United. Probably Jarrod Bowen had a thought in a false number nine. Yarmolenko could do that role as well and maybe Vlasic. But they don't pose the same threat. They're not as powerful. They're not as quick. They're not as menacing in the penalty area. I think it's a big bonus for Manchester United. And I think we'll see in this game just how reliant West Ham are on uh, Mikel Antonio. I think his punishment probably will be lining up against Dinamo Zagreb in the Europa League, live on TalkSport 2 on Thursday, a game that he would probably have been rested for under normal circumstances. Uh, Thursday night, that is, isn't it? And then they play Sunday against Manchester United. I thought Declan Rice did well to stop a certain goal. Yeah. Uh, and actually, uh, Broger, who came on... from on, the post, didn't he? On loan from Chelsea, hit the post... Bully Dawson on the halfway line, left old Boniford dead. It was a good finish, actually. Beat the goalkeeper, just denied by the base of the post. It was his header, cleared off the line by Declan Rice. They still haven't won a game, Southampton, but they're performing okay. They're, they're, they're playing all right. Yeah, I, I, at the start of the season, I thought I was a bit concerned about Southampton. And like you said, they haven't won, but I think I think they'll be all right. They're, they're showing enough. Adam Armstrong has obviously shown enough as well. Um, West Ham, I think they'll be disappointed that they didn't come away with nothing. I mean, I, I, I listened to some of the, the updates from Crookie and he wasn't too um, happy with with the actual game itself. He was more was happy with game. Viva Ronaldo at the time, I, I think. But Were you, distract, were you distracted? <laughs> it, was a, it was a poor game. Were you, were you doing P- what that Arsenal half. fan did at uh, the Emirates and watched on their phone the homecoming of Ronaldo? <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I no, was, there was an awful shot at the Emirates. This <laughs> is Pocky sitting in the Arsenal end That's watching outrageous. Ronaldo He won't be the phone. only one as well. I was relying on Adrian Durham for uh, updates <laughs> on that. But um, yeah, it was a stodgy game, but... I called it as a draw before as well, by the yeah. way. I thought they'd both had previous draws as well. West Ham, when they went to Palace, weren't looking great as well. And he will be a big miss. And if you're Varane or Maguire, I think you're happy that Antonio isn't going to be coming to, to play against you because he does cause you problems. Um, talking of games that many people would have thought would be uninspiring, Watford against Wolves. But we can't say it was uninspiring because it inspired an entire nation. Listen to this commentary when Huang scores what ends up being the clincher from about three centimetres out. Ah, oh, it's brilliant. It, I mean, shows that you know, real. But look, if you if you're a, a nation that doesn't really export that many players, I mean, obviously we've had some great South Korean players in the past, and we've got Son, uh, and we've had Park. But 
to see on his debut a player like Huang come into the Premier League and score immediately. Um, it's great. They inspire so many people. It's brilliant. Um, but that was the second goal. Um, after several chances, again, they finally scored thanks to an own goal from a player that wasn't even supposed to be playing because he was going to be banned by Chile until everybody relented and no one did that anyway. But Francisco Serrata with one of the worst own <laughs> goals I have ever seen. I mean, it gave Andy Myers at Anfield in about 1997 a run for his money. Yeah, just one of those things. Very frustrating for him. Two teams, really, that before the season, I tipped both to go down, actually. I th- even Wolves. I, Wolves I feel, have got a, uh, They had a chance to go down. Nuno leaving. Uh, uninspiring last season as well. I think Watford could be in big trouble. And, you know, if Adama Troy finds his shooting boots from somewhere, Wolves will be okay as well. But at the moment, I still think they're struggling. No goals in three games now for Watford. They let Troy Deeney go. I think that could be a mistake. I'm just not sure where the goals are coming from. I know that Deeney possibly is at the veteran stage of his career. Well, he is in the veteran stage of his career, but I think he would still have had something to offer. But I've been impressed with Wolves. You know, probably not got the points that their performances deserve. Um, actually stuck Marcel in my fantasy team on Saturday and he's come up with a couple of assists and a clean sheet and I like the way that him and Semedo are being given licence to roam well Semedo should have scored twice yeah and you can see he is already imprinting his philosophy on the team Raul Jimenez has had a good chance as well you can say it clicked at the weekend. I think it will click even more for Wolves, and actually, I think they'll be fine. Uh, Saar a menace all the way through the game. Lots of crosses into the box, but no end product for yeah. Watford, and and that is going to be an issue. I mean, Josh King playing up front for them. He's never been prolific in the Premier League, um, and I'm not even sure that he's going to be first choice over the course of of, of the season. No, and again, you know, Deeney would be licking his lips at some of that some of those balls that, that Saar put into the box. I like Saar as a player. I think he's got a lot of attributes. Sometimes his end product does leave a, a little bit to be desired. I think maybe we all got a bit carried away by Watford after that win against Aston Villa was on the opening day. Yeah, but maybe with hindsight, Villa were just a bit under par and Watford on a high, their first home game back in the Premier League. Yeah, it's the first time they've lost a home game in 11 matches though. They're going to lose a lot more over the course of the season. Um, right. Thank you very much for joining us, Darren Ambrose. We've enjoyed your company. Thank Thanks you. for having me. And to Crookie, we'll see you again on uh, Thursday when the preview prod comes out uh, around about four or five o'clock in the afternoon, ready for a weekend of Premier League action. Premier League action, which will take me to Aston Villa uh, next week. I've got three games this week. I'm doing uh, Chelsea Zenit for TalkSport on Tuesday. Sporting Lisbon against Ajax on Wednesday from TV. So I'm looking forward to that. You're doing West Ham, aren't you? I'm doing West Ham on Thursday, Bournemouth and Bristol City before that, and then a long trek to Cardiff next Saturday, so plenty of miles. Ooh, they that done Nottingham Forest this weekend, didn't they? Came back from one goal down to win 2-1. That's not, not a great situation there. Uh, right, should we go and get some crumble? The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.